Chapter Thirteen of Geographical Reader Europe by Frank G. Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Chapter Thirteen More About Paris How France is Governed. We are delighted with Paris. Everything is bright and gay. The city is a vast treasury of industry and art, and there is something worth seeing wherever we go. We stroll through palace after palace filled with pictures and in the great museums of the louvre grow so tired of the long galleries walled with fine paintings that we are glad to leave them for the garden of the tuileries and the children playing on the champs elysees we make excursions to fontainebleau and versailles in the suburbs of paris where in times past the monarchs of france had vast country homes surrounded by extensive gardens and forests their palaces still stand and we repeople them with the scenes of french history as we wander from bedroom to bedroom and parlor to parlor now sitting in a chair where napoleon bonaparte sat and now patting the cradle-like bed where his little son the king of rome lay when he was a baby we go through the rooms where marie antoinette and the empress josephine lived and admire their gorgeous furniture and the beautiful paintings which look down from the walls at fontainebleau we take a drive through the forest stopping at the fish-pond near the palace to watch the carp swimming about an old frenchwoman in a white cap and blue gown comes up with some bread we buy a loaf break it in pieces and throw them into the water the great fish rush for the bread they push each other about and fight for the crumbs even as the nobles fought with one another for the favors of the kings who once lived in that palace returning to paris we make a trip underground about one-tenth of the city is built over catacombs great cellar-like caves made by digging out the stone from the deep-lying quarries more than a century ago some of the buildings above these caves began to sink in and the government decided to use the catacombs as tombs they strengthened the roofs and divided the caves into rooms filling them with the bones of the dead from the cemeteries of paris the cemeteries were centuries old and so full that it is estimated that the skeletons of three million people were taken from them to these catacombs we are led by our guide down the steps into the caves and are shown chapels walled with human bones the sight is a horrible one and we pant for pure air leaving the catacombs we spend part of the day in going through the sewers taking a boat and riding for miles through one great tunnel after another we are below the water mains in tunnels so big that a railroad train could run through them without touching the walls or the roofs a wide waterway with pavements on the sides runs along the bottom so that we can leave the boat and walk along away down here under the great city the water comes from the seine and it moves so fast that there is no perceptible odor paris has about eight hundred miles of such tunnels so many that if they were placed end to end they would reach as far as from new york to detroit they have cost a vast sum but they have made paris healthful we finish our underground journey near the church of the madeleine in one of the gayest parts of gay paris and our eyes are dazzled as we come again to the street we stop at the flower market at the side of the church and buy bouquets of the little old women in white caps and clean calicoes who sit there behind counters 
and chat with their customers we spend a few minutes in the madeleine and later on visit notre dame another famous church and then go to the pantheon where many of the noted frenchmen are buried and from there go to the hotel des invalides to take a look at the tomb of napoleon the hotel des invalides was founded centuries ago as a home for the old soldiers of france it is situated on the south side of the seine and is inhabited by many french veterans one of whom acts as our guide he leads us into the church and shows us the great circular crypt under the dome where napoleon's sarcophagus lies we lean over the marble balustrade and look down upon an immense block of red dish brown granite thirteen feet long fourteen feet high and six feet wide resting on a pedestal of polished green stone it is a gigantic coffin which was cut from one solid block in the quarries of sweden and brought here at an enormous expense the crypt is floored with mosaic decorated with crowns of laurel in stone there are monuments about it and the old soldier points out this quotation from bonaparte's will which is carved on its entrance i desire that my ashes may repose on the banks of the seine in the midst of the french people whom i have ever loved we have seen monuments and pictures of napoleon not only in paris but in all the cities of france he is the greatest of the french heroes and as you read more of history you will learn how wonderful his life story was he was born of well-to-do parents in the little french island of corsica in the mediterranean sea and began his studies in a military school later he entered the army in paris and was made a lieutenant he rapidly rose from one rank to another until at last he commanded the whole of the french army having proved himself the greatest general of europe he became emperor of the french and as such waged wars with the other nations of europe conquering them one after another until at last it seemed that he might make himself ruler of the whole world then there was a combination of the russians germans english and austrians against him they joined armies and finally defeated him they drove him from france telling him that he might be the emperor of the island of elba a little place not so big as corsica for the rest of his life this was in eighteen fourteen about a year later napoleon slipped out of elba and came back to france as soon as he landed his old soldiers flocked to him from all parts of the country the french government gave its support and he soon had another large army he marched against the powers which had defeated him and a great battle took place at waterloo in belgium where napoleon although he fought very bravely was finally defeated after that his enemies resolved that napoleon was too dangerous a character to be allowed any freedom whatever they decided to keep him a prisoner for life they banished him to the rocky little island of st helena in the atlantic ocean off the west coast of africa and kept him guarded there until he died he was buried in st helena but years afterwards his remains were brought back to france and placed in this tomb during napoleon's time france became the greatest empire of europe it is now a republic in which the people elect their own rulers and govern themselves the french have a president just as we have and their laws are made by a senate and chamber of deputies the latter corresponding to our house of representatives it is but a few steps from the hotel 
des invalides to the palace of the chamber of deputies a magnificent building on the banks of the seine we stroll along the river to the palace and going by the colossal statues of prudence and justice at the entrance walk up the stairs to the front doors we present our cards of admission from the american minister to paris to one of the guards and he gives us seats in the gallery of the legislative hall from where we can look down upon the chief branch of the congress of france the room is in the shape of a half moon the members sit in semicircular rows rising one above the other to the back of the chamber the president who holds the same position as our speaker of the house of representatives sits on a rostrum in front notice that little desk in front of the president one of the members has just left his seat and gone into it he is addressing the chamber but he is speaking in french and so rapidly that we cannot understand what he says now he is finished and another man has taken his place in our congress the members rise at their seats when they address the house but here everyone speaks from that desk watch the man who is talking see how he gesticulates and how excited he is now he is interesting his fellows they are clapping their hands and making even more fuss than the members of the house of commons did the day we were there the president raps on his desk with a paper knife and calls order but the men do not mind him see he has taken a silver bell and is ringing it several members are shouting for order and we wish we knew enough french to understand the cause of all this commotion leaving the chamber of deputies we go to the senate in the palace of the luxembourg and then crossing the seine make a short call upon the president of france in his official palace on the champs elysees from him and other officials we learn that france is very well governed although many of its methods are different from ours the president for instance is chosen not by the people through an electoral college as in the united states but by the majority vote of the senate and chamber of deputies his term lasts seven years and his salary including the amount given him for entertaining is five times as much as that of our president he has a cabinet like our president but while the president of the united states may select any american citizen to be one of his ministers the french president must choose his cabinet from the chamber of deputies he may conclude treaties with other powers but must not declare war unless congress assents and every one of his acts must be countersigned by a minister we call upon the ministers who give us many details in regard to the government the minister for the colonies gives us maps showing the enormous possessions and dependencies which france has outside europe they have a total area larger than the whole united states or more than sixteen times as large as france itself End of chapter thirteen